Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network. This is Patrick Honeywell. Today's special guest is Dr. Lynn Carson, founder and CEO of Bakerpedia, an online resource platform that combines the features of Google and Wikipedia. On today's podcast, Dr. Lynn shares Bakerpedia's history from the beginning to becoming today's go-to digital resource for all things commercial bakery and innovation. Hello, Dr. Lynn. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Pat. Hey, it's really nice to, hey, you know, you call me Pat. I love that. Instead of Patrick, that's what my family calls me, Pat. So welcome to the family. Thank you. It's great to be on here with you. Thank you so much. So I'm really excited to have you here um, for a zillion reasons. One, because I do classes on baking uh, pastry for the company I work with. And um, I'm always trying to research if I'm going to do a class on sourdough bread or puff pastry, I'll go online and try to find out little things that I maybe don't know or need to know as part of the class. You have everything with Bakerpedia, so I'm happy you're here. Well, glad to hear that. We are actually number one on Google search engines for many of those baking terms, and that's why you land on our pages all the time. The reason why you see Bakerpedia is because we just push out a lot of content and we believe in writing quality, technical baking subjects, because when I started this journey, there was none, right? So that's what I'm passionate about is just creating good quality baking content that's science-based to um, share with a lot of other people. Yeah, you know, for an example, it's, it's amazing. I'm looking on Bakerpedia, uh, innovative baking solutions, free access to technical information. Now that's kind of like a quick little thing about your company, but man, if you, you have such great sections, ingredients, processes, uh, there's a, a spot on bread, which is really the heart of baking bread, you know, and different yep. forms of bread. Uh, you have a Baker Academy, um, and, and, you know, I looked up Dutch cocoa powder as an example. If I say, oh, should I use Dutch cocoa powder or another kind of a cocoa powder? I look up Dutch cocoa powder on your site, and it gives me the origin. It gives me some cool history, how it works, yeah. how it's processed, where it's used, and some characteristics, what you're going to get by using it. So it is amazing, and you cover everything. Yes, and the most important thing is FDA status, right? I mean, um, the reason why we have that and the reason why we have all the information you need is because I was in your place many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would be 10 years next year. Um, I was on the floor of Wendy's production facility and um, I was really questioning you know, um, when, when I ask my employees, I'm like, go look on the internet and let me know what you find out about ascorbic acid, right? So they would do all this digging and searching and would not even come back to me on how much ascorbic acid they can use legally in the batch of dough. I was like scratching my head. I'm like, why is this information not available for product developers? You know, this is a very basic, simple information, and you have to go dig into FDA archives just to get it. 
you know, and, and that, you know, just accumulative of other things just led me to believe that this resource need, needed to be created. Mm-hmm. So 10 years ago, next year, <laughs> I bought the domain bakerpedia.com. Right. Just to do this, just to create an encyclopedia so that people like you can just go to one place Mm -hmm. and click and understand, oh, I can actually use calcium propionate at this level and it's FDA regulated and where it comes from. Right. So I have all the information on my fingertips Mm -hmm. on why, where this ingredient come from, Mm -hmm. why do I need to use it? how to use it and at what levels to use it. So that's what this encyclopedia was created for. Let's talk a little bit about your journey in baking and science because you're a food scientist. What the heck? So to talk about that a little bit, your history, how you got into baking. Sure. I graduated from the Ohio State University in food science and technology. And um, after that journey, it got me um, into wondering what I should do next. Actually taking a few steps back, when I was growing up, my father had a uh, baking ingredient brokerage in Singapore. And uh, I grew up with a lot of baking. I grew up with a lot of influence from chefs and bakers because he, he brought in, you know, guest chefs and bakers and he gave classes as well. And um, he taught a lot of bakers in Singapore how to bake. And Gosh. I was, you know, I was just a little kid, you know, just standing around and absorbing all the information in. And um, the resources in Singapore were very um uh, uh, limited in terms of where I could get my education in. Mm-hmm. So I got my education in a broad field called food science. That's mm-hmm. what I came to the Ohio State University to do. After that, I graduated. I asked my department head, I said, hey, where do you think I should go to really study baking? He's like, that's only one place you should go to. <laughs> and that's Manhattan, Kansas, really? at Kansas State University. Hmm. I'm like, why in the middle of nowhere? why are you asking me to go there? Uh, you know, if you look at Kansas State University, it's, it's literally in the middle of nowhere in Kansas, right? Mm-hmm. But it's in the middle of wheat fields. And that's where all the wheat research is being done. Yeah. No so, way. Yeah. So, oh. so that's where all the top cereal chemists in the world, hmm. well, prior to 1990, went to, Okay. Um, and, uh, through the years they have, um, specified some of the top AACC, um, American Association of Serochemists methodology. A lot of that work came from Kansas State University in Manhattan, Kansas at the wheat labs. So that was the only place that you should go to apparently back then. And this was in 1995, um, that to get a, uh, a master's in baking right? Mm-hmm. Baking science technology. So um, I went there and wanted to get a master's in baking. And I, I did my um, master's in uh, sorghum, uh, composite flour and baking. Gosh. And um, I did, apparently I did it so well that my professor said, hey, have you ever considered a PhD? 
I'm like, no, I have not considered a PhD. I just wanted to do my master's, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So long story short, she convinced me um, uh, to do my PhD. And I, I, I ended up doing my PhD focusing on the area of texture analysis, which is sensory. Um, and uh, so I, I, PhD is all about developing methods. It's not about your area of study or, or what you should be studying that's going to carry you in for the rest of your academic life. Mm-hmm. But um, I decided that in this area of research, I wanted to focus on sensory methods and its effect on cereal products. So what we did was we were trying to equate, uh, we were trying to develop a method where you put EMG on your cheeks and um, correlate that to textural um, uh, um, instrumentation. And eventually we wanted to develop something to analyze uh, what is hard, what is soft, just through EMG um, methods. You know, um, yeah, without without actually forming a descriptive panel, which is really a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what my PhD was focusing on. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't my passion. Sensory mm-hmm. science wasn't my passion. I mean, if I graduated and went into the sensory field, I would be paid three times more than I ever did was in, in, in the bakery science field. So I decided to just focus on bakery. And um, I, I started up owning my own business. You know, um, I created a retail concept where um, people ordered the bread and it was big, fresh on demand for them. And this concept was launched in uh, Denver, um, unfortunately, at the height of the Atkins diet. And yeah, and a lot of no, no, but. You know, as entrepreneurs, you take the risk, right? And you're responsible for your success or failure. And perhaps it was great for me to learn such a big failure because I failed really badly at that uh, venture and lost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was in my early 30s, you know, and I was, uh, I'm able to afford that failure right but that failure built a lot of foundation for what I'm doing today mm-hmm. and it taught me a lot about um, how to treat your employees and it taught me a lot about you know um, basic business functions like profit and loss and you know your balance sheet so um, with that I with that failure I you know, I had to recover. I had to take some time to recover. So um, I joined Wendy's mm-hmm. and that brought me back to Ohio, Zanesville, mm-hmm. Ohio specifically, where we had um, two plants, uh, three lines that was baking for over 3,500 Wendy stores. Yeah. So it's, it's a huge, it's a huge um, uh, um, business they have there at Zanesville. Um, And it's also to me, you know, nobody told me this, but manufacturing um, is one of the largest contributors to local economies. And uh, when I learned that, um, it was important to me um, to help my boss, which was the VP of the plant, to keep the jobs there because uh, it's important. (laughs) If if those two plants close, it's, it's going to bring, you know, a major major financial issues to that area. Mm -hmm. So to me, I felt that that was my um, important task. And to keep the jobs there, we had to innovate. Mm -hmm. 
So I brought in an R&D team. I, I built an R&D facility there and we started innovating with different kinds of bun products, you know, different looks and all that stuff, because you're talking about a, a volume of probably 150 cuts per minute. So you, it's, it's, it's a high volume plant per line, per line. So all three plants will bring you about 300, 400 buns per minute. Gotcha. You know, so that is a very high output line mm -hmm. um, and for one facility and lines for the other facility. Um, and um, my job was to make sure that um, I teach people and I bring in resources so that they could keep up with competition and they can um, remain relevant and um, hopefully keep the jobs there, That's you know. Sure. Yeah. Well, so, let me ask you about a hamburger bun. The probably the most important things are, are of course, taste, texture, uh, shelf life, uh, moisture. What was your goal with with your hamburger buns back then? One of the biggest issue was the buns falling apart. If ah. you do not bake the buns properly, it will not hold well on a sandwich build. And at the end of the day, uh, we have tastings with the Wendy's team, and that was the most common problem. And um, we managed to figure that out through thermal profiling and uh, thermal profiling. It's, it's an instrumentation through ECD, uh, big watch. We found out that if you don't bake your bun to an interior temperature of above 200 degrees Fahrenheit for 20% of the time, mm. the bun will fall apart. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, and it also depends. I mean, uh, well, we, we are talking about very standard, 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 standard formulation. Right. Okay. But if you talk about other formulations like brioche or pretzel, mm -hmm. it's going to be a different internal temperature and, and mm -hmm. parameter. Okay. But the regular bun is like, you really need to bake it and you really need to bake it well for it the whole well together on the bun. Gosh. Well, that's yeah. amazing. And, and I love this. I love it because it's going to help me when I go back to the office. But don't tell anyone that you're teaching me all these cool things already. Well, it's, it's <laughs> currently being taught on our web pages. I know. So. <laughs> your web page is, is amazing. <laughs> Dr. Lynn, you went to Dave's Killer Bread from there? Yes. So um, I actually quit Wendy's. When I was in Zanesville um, in 2012, so that I could work on this domain, and um, but this domain didn't take off, and and things usually happen for a reason. I do believe that, and uh, I I couldn't you know I couldn't get help, I couldn't get sponsorships, I couldn't find the resources like just peer mentorship. You know what I mean in Zanesville. So I was like, I need to get to a bigger city where they have these resources. You know, I need to get to Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and those things didn't fly until I got to Portland, Oregon. And that's when, you know, I was offered a job by Dave's Killer Bread. Mm -hmm. And they told me, well, you know, please come and join us to help grow our team. Um, and so I, I pushed Bakerpedia aside for a couple of years to help the DKB team to grow. Mm -hmm. uh, my job at DKB was, um, was very challenging because I have never been at a company so small that was growing so fast. Gosh. It was growing uncontrollably and for good. 
you know, I mean, who doesn't want to grow? I mean, their growth was just amazing. Um, the founder, Dave Dow, was was uh, um, was an amazing innovator together with his brother, uh, Glenn Dial and his uh, uh, nephew. Um, there were three founders there and they was just an amazing team. Uh, I just was wondering why I was joining them, you know, so. Um, if you read about DKB, um, you will eventually find out the story behind that. And um, I basically went in to help them figure out the co-manufacturing mm. portion, mm -hmm. uh, implement sanitation methods, and also quality methods, mm. and how to keep the um, quality of DKB consistent. Because it was a very diff diff different way of making whole grain breads. And in all the science training that I have taken, I have never seen anyone treated the bread this way. So when I saw how they uh, fermented and soaked and, and, and run their small batches mm -hmm. um, and how they treated their ingredients, I was sold. I told Dave, he took me around and I said, Dave, I've never seen any baking facility run this way. You know, and I didn't I didn't know back then whether it was good or bad because there's nothing to compare to. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I, this is not good or bad. It's just different. <laughs> what the heck is going on <laughs> <And> here? <laughs> yes. And I would like to join your team. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you know, and what a transition from from um, uh, a hamburger bun, you know, a white uh, flour hamburger bun over to Dave's Killer Bread, which I actually and I buy at Costco. And, I enjoyed and, this transition so much. Oh, man. Yeah. I enjoyed the transition to so much because pan bread is a whole different animal. And um, because you need to slice it, you need to make sure you have enough space to cool it and then mm -hmm. slice it. And that's the biggest, biggest portion, what, how different they are. Mm -hmm. And um, because it's organic, you can't put in that much improvers. Mm -hmm. oh, you know, true, you have to true. deal with what you have to deal with. Regulations. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um uh, uh, that was, you know, that was an eye-opening change for me, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and, and they worked at a slower pace. So I was happy with that too. I mean, in terms <laughs> of the output rate. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the cooling offs. I remember in different bread plants that I've, I've been with. Yeah. The, the area, sometimes the way that the bakery is laid out, they just don't have enough area for cooling or for no, and the and staging areas. It's yeah, crazy. It's like, it, it's not built for that yet. Where no. does everything go after it's baked? When I was there, they were still cooling on racks. And um, it was the most inefficient way of cooling and the most unsanitary way of cooling, you know, and it's just, uh, um, and I've been to a lot of plants and baking facilities since then. And that's the biggest pain point in many, many growing bakeries. And I tell them, I'm like, you need to get onto a cooling tunnel and you need to get this down as short as possible. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of bakeries out there are still, you know, pushing their breads to a side, you know, and then baking a whole day and then waiting for the wrap crew to come at the end of the day to wrap it all up. I mean, Gosh. that's like the wrong way to treat yeah. the bread. You have staling issues. You got all staling kinds of issues, dryness, mold issues. Mold. Wow. People touching bread when they're not packed without yes, gloves. Exactly. I, I keep telling people, I mean, that's gross. Come on. Let's talk about Bakerpedia. You've got a lot of people that go to your site, 
a lot of followers. Who? What type of followers do you have? You know, like if you look at, we have, like you have commercial bakers, you have pastry people. Who are they? What, what, and what are their greatest needs? We can't really limit the kind of people. It's over 5,000 a day um, that comes to our website. Uh, we are very search friendly. So we don't, we're... We don't deny accessibility to anyone. Anyone who wants to assess these information, it's at their fingertips. And um, but the ones that do stay and do sign up for our classes, and that's how we um, tell them apart, mm-hmm. are uh, mostly wholesale bakers like yourself that mm-hmm. bake for institutions, um, you know, schools, food service. Um, anywhere from wholesale bakers and up to industrial bakers. So that's who sign up for our classes. Got you. And so let's yeah. talk about Baker Academy, your Baker Academy. Baker Academy. I love that. Yes. Yeah, I was looking up that thing now secretly. You know, so tell me about that. It, there's no secret in, in sharing information. <laughs> that's why I'm glad you're on the podcast today. Thank you. <laughs> they should never be. I mean, that's how we were cultivated when we just started going in the industry, right? I mean, if, if you were in the workforce 20, 25 years ago, that's where I started. Um, you will come on and the top guy will not share anything with you. Exactly. Because they want to remain in power. Mm-hmm. They want to um, uh, make sure that they have a job. Like, nobody shared anything with me. I had to figure it out. And that's why it was not searchable on Google. You know, and I wanted to change that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this whole sharing thing, it's all about sharing the basic knowledge, right? Um, and, and sharing um, the passion uh, and then helping people and, and, and creating your secret sauce from there. I mean, that's, that's always you. That's always your secret sauce. But all the fundamentals, I believe, should be shared freely. And what we teach in the free academy, the free academy um, is happening because we bring um, sponsors together with to meet the users of the site and they share the knowledge. Uh, we do very short uh, mini teaching sessions in these uh, bigger views, what we call our seminars. And I would do like maybe like a 10, 15 minute technical presentation. And then the sponsor would come in and share their ingredient or, or equipment. You know, and the reason why I'm passionate about this is because I want to make this free. You know, I want to make this knowledge accessible so that more people can be trained and more people can uh, 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 grow their secret sauce, you know, Um, and and the sponsors are more than willing to bear the cost of these classes so that we can make them free. That's so amazing. What a great gift to uh, people like me in the the industry. It's fantastic. But you make pastry, right? You still do a little baking at home. Do you ever make anything at home for the family? I do. I do it all the time. Oh, come on now. So <laughs> you've favorite. got. <laughs> what are your favorite? favorite? Thing, yeah. My favorite thing to bake is actually sourdough bread. Oh, no. Nice. Yes, because it's most challenging. It's the most difficult. So do you keep a starter at home? I mean, do you feed uh, a starter? Or I do keep you... a starter in the freezer. Got you. Okay. I take it out and I bake it whenever I need it. But, um, you know, starting starting your own starter is really pretty easy. It only takes like four days to do it. So, um, and my second 
thing that that I bake frequently, not exactly my favorite, but it, it's birthday cakes. Oh, for right? the family, because right? Because you, I mean, if you if you say your mom was like, you know, the owner of Bakerpedia, you expect her to bake cakes for you. <laughs> that's that's kind of an expectation thing that I'm doing. But <laughs> I bake a lot of that in this house. So let's say you're, you know, you're looking at baking a cake for a birthday cake for either somebody in the family or whatever. What size pan is probably the universal size that you would have in the house? Nine inch pan, 10 inch pan? Nine, What's inch. Your, nine inch. Okay. How tall? I usually make like a three layer. So at the end of it, you'll have five layers, you know? So um, I would say about uh five inches final final height will be a five inch cake that's that's like a that's like a wedding cake height too and that's awesome yes <laughs> my cakes don't get any smaller <laughs> awesome okay well okay so uh still on the baking baking at home what is your what are your kids favorites and what is your say your husband's favorite uh dessert? um my kids favorites would be like a mango strawberry cream cake so I do like a basic sponge, mm-hmm. uh, sponge cake. So the formula is just basic sponge cake. And I would put in a fresh strawberry mango because their birthdays are all concentrated around April, May, mm. <laughs> June. Just, just do one for all of them. <laughs> no, they just, it's just a, a, a strawberry and mango. Okay. This is about the only time in the year that strawberry and mango are in season. Hmm. So around the May, April, you know, uh, side of things. And they just love it. Um, so what I do with, to stabilize the mousse is I whip in um, strawberry jello. Mm-hmm. That's like the basic flavoring that mm-hmm. I can afford at the uh, at the retail scale because you can't really get any kind of mango flavor anywhere Mm -hmm. so that's how i get my my strawberry flavor and then you just add it in with the mango you know and um that's pretty much what they expect every year so that's my duty as a mom every year is to produce like three strawberry mango cakes your (laughs) go-to cakes you're a good mom right on (laughs) Hey, so, you know, I tell you, it's, I, it's, I really enjoy speaking with you. You've got the best darn site that it's amazing because I have a couple classes coming up. So in the old days I would go on, but I would go on the internet and I go, okay, let's see. Let me look at this. Then I go over here. Uh, where did the baguette start? Or what is, what about the brioche? You know, did it really begin in, in France? But I find, and I went to maybe three or four sites, but yours has everything. Yes. So it's amazing. Just come to our site. Just it's come amazing. to Wikipedia.com. Don't hey, go well, anywhere listen, else. And I tell you, and you've got a really great team there. Uh, maybe give a shout out to your team. They're amazing. I will. Yeah. I will. They are an amazing group of research and writers and content directors. And um, they are just very focused on bringing the latest science research. So they will go into all different kinds of you know, uh, science articles and you just mm. dig, dig, dig. Our latest um, passion is fermentation. And uh, we are trying to find out what in the world is going on in the bread when it ferments. And um, I would argue with anyone that says that, oh, we already know fermentation science. Mm. We don't. We don't. No, we because no, don't know fermentation science. And because, ten minutes later, it's a little different than it was a few minutes ago. It's crazy. Well, has anyone taught you that fermentation reduces the presence of 
oligos oligofractans no oligosaccharides no so that's what we're researching it into more is recent studies have shown that and this is why certain people can digest artisan bread mm -hmm. better and they prefer artisan bread better mm, yeah the this gluten the gets broken down yeah no, okay. it's not. No, it's the not gluten. that. The protein. No, it's not. Yeah, oh, I tell you, this research is fascinating. Wake me up. Wake it me up. It is not the gluten that's the problem. It's okay. the oligosaccharides. <gasps> so what we're finding out is, well, if this is the case, what are the um, uh, solutions to implement? Mm -hmm. Right. So that's where we are at research right now, and um, I can't tell you the solution because we don't know the solution or if there is a solution, mm -hmm. but long fermentation seems to get rid of those things. Mm -hmm. And we need to find out which particular enzyme or which particular fermentation pathway do they take to get to break down these things, mm -hmm. you know, and if we could expedite that, if we could speed that up, you know, so that's, the, this is why I'm so passionate about my no kidding. <laughs> Hey, well, listen, I, I'm going to work. I'm going to be I'm going to be following and, and every now and then look to see, hey, I wonder if they came up with a solution, you know, to you know that. what? I will be talking about it in our fermentation module on um, Baker Certified. So okay. we just uh, launched our Baker Certified courses mm -hmm. last week, and these are paid modules. You actually have to pay for it because this is just original teachings from my sure. team. Oh, wow. Um, and it's $150 a module. And we started with wheat and gluten. And then we're going to the basics, wheat, gluten, water. And then we're just going through all the basics of like fat, emulsifier, sugar, salt. What do these do in the system? Mm. And I'm currently working on, uh, on, on the module for fermentation. And I thought that it was going to be an easy one and my team is digging all this information up for me and i'm like oh my god this is going to be one you, heart dinosaur you created a monster <laughs> yeah a tough we one. found out so many things that mm. weren't taught mm. so this fermentation module is taking longer than it, it, it is taking because so many things have not been reported in mm. the baking uh field and we just have to do it it's just going to take us a longer time. Well, I'm going to follow that one. So listen, Dr. Lin, how can we follow you? Do you have, I know you have the website. and, and Yes, uh, follow me on LinkedIn. I would encourage all of you to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very personal on there, personable on there. And I uh, do a lot of uh, interaction on our Facebook page as well. So if you go onto Facebook, we are very active on baking industry professionals. That's, a, that's our Facebook page. And we share a lot of ideas on how to uh, extend the shelf life of your bakery product. That seems to be a hot topic. Oh, it is. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Well, listen, I want to thank you for being on the uh, podcast today. This has been amazing. I'm so thank glad you, I found you. Thank you so thank much. You. For all of you listening out there, Chef Special is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check it out at believe.com. And follow me on Instagram at Patrick Honeywell.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.